Are you struggling to look for work after finishing your education? Or maybe you're in a relationship you're unsure about? Are you having a quarter-life existential crisis? Are you in your 20s and don't know what the heck to do with your life? You've come to the right place. Hi, you're listening to A Cup of Growth, the drink for trying to be adults. This podcast is brought to you by Mags and Cass, where the girls talk about how to confidently navigate your 20s. Let's ride the struggle together. Hello. Hello. Welcome back to another episode on a cup of growth. That was a very nice intro. I know. (laughs) Uh, No, but seriously, welcome back. You're listening to Cass and Mags. In case you didn't know at this point in the podcast, but you're listening to Cass and Mags on a cup of growth. And on today's episode, we're going to be talking about identity and belonging. Oh. So beautiful. I know. Um, But often not talked about enough. Um, We Mm. hear all of these things about being true to yourself and all of those things. But what does it mean? Literally, what does it all mean? Um, And obviously there's a big thing, um, whether you see it on, I don't know, movies or if you read it on a romance book, it's like belonging. Social media. Uh, ASMR. <laughs> <laughs> I read. Sorry, I should have said trigger warning. If you like, what is it? Was it called misophonia or whatever? The 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 thing where you don't like sounds. Anyways, sorry if you struggle with that. <laughs> Lol. Um. But anyways, yeah, we're going to be talking about that today, um, and just expand your horizons of conversation and ask yourself, you know, who am I? Getting existential now. Who am I? Where do I belong? And uh, what does it all mean to me? And um, later on, you'll have another interview. We have two interviews. I know. Not one, but two interviews. Girl. I know. uh, Mm. Proper podcast now, if you didn't notice. (laughs) Um, But yeah, this, you'll hear about that all about that later but for now i mean maga what does it mean to belong and have an identity <laughs> don't get me so existential it's at 7 p.m <laughs> um yeah um good question um i think obviously i think it's in our nature to feel like to to have that need to belong mm-hmm and I think it is a way for us to shape the way we look at ourselves and our identity and know who we are in relation to other people as well. Mm-hmm. And um, what I guess I've struggled with is coming, like having dual nationality. So where you come from sort of two different backgrounds and cultures and sort of social settings, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, it can feel hard to belong because in one country I feel like I don't belong and in the other I feel like I don't belong. So it's like, mm-hmm. I'm just going to stay in the channel. Yeah. <laughs> I think, ah, this is where I belong, in between France and England, obviously. Yeah. Um, but no, it's just, um, it can be a bit of a struggle. And then as well, when in one country someone tells you, oh my God, you're making mistakes, you know, in that language. Mm. And then the same in the other, it's like, well, where do I fit in? Because yeah. I feel like both, but it feels like people don't understand that. Mm. And it's, 
and that that's why I think, as you said, it's not talked about enough. Where you you really need we need really need to educate people on how it is and how it feels like for people who are either biracial or have dual nationality and how hard it can be for us to fit in because in in one place will tell us, well, you're not this enough. And then mm-hmm. in the other, you're not this enough. So it's like, what am I? Am I just not enough in general or mm-hmm. whatever? So, yeah, obviously I haven't struggled with biraciality because I come from just two white backgrounds. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um but I guess I can come from a place of, you know, where it's like people make stereotypical jokes about like mm. your nationality and stuff. And it's just like, it's so passe. And it's just like, shut up. Yeah. <laughs> come up with original jokes that I'll actually laugh at. <laughs> uh, anyways, that was just a little, um, <laughs> little rage moment. But um, yeah, I think, I think identity is something that you build throughout your life. I think that it, you don't, are not set in stone in one identity. I think that can change and evolve depending on what your values are at the time, your experiences as well. Mm-hmm. And um, because I think there are aspects of your personality that stay very ingrained mm-hmm. and they're like the foundations that stay there. And then you have sort of the interior that you can kind of redecorate and move around and change, which are things like... I cannot think of examples right now, but <laughs> if you think of, of examples, let us know. Um, but that you can change because they either make you a better person or, you know, they just don't represent a side of you, so you want to change it. Anyways, I'm rambling. Um, but yeah, I think as well, a big thing that comes with belonging is understanding and having a deep connection and if you don't have that deep connection, that's where loneliness kicks in. So mm-hmm. that's why I think it's so important to feel like you belong in a space or a community or somewhere. Mm-hmm. Because then you have that connection with other people that makes you feel understood and validated. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. But anyways. Mm-hmm. Cassandra, darling. Um, I kind of... I'm on the same page as Mags in the terms of I'm, um, I have dual nationality and I am biracial. So um, you've got the double combo. Yeah. Mm. Uh, I'm a nice cocktail, uh, you could say. Um, and um, unlike Maga, like Maga comes from two different white backgrounds, but I come from an Asian and a an white background. Mm. So growing up it was very difficult to you know grow up in a spanish environment um and not belonging because i didn't look the same yeah so it was very othering and i felt like very like like an outcast basically Mm. um until i met my dear johnny and then we were outcasts together growing up um (laughs) (laughs) but um the thing about uh, belonging as well, like Maga said, is like finding a place where you're actually comfortable with. And that can be with a, with people or, you know, your home or even yourself. Um, and that's actually something I write a lot in my poetry. It's like, I always say that I'm a lone wolf trying to find my way home because I never belong. 
Mm. And uh, seeing poetry as its best. And I can tell in your eyes how proud you are. I know, moment. and rightly so. <laughs> um, and so it was always like growing up. Like I said, it was um, I was never Spanish enough because I looked Asian. And then I came to England, and it was like, oh no, you look Spanish. And it was such a clash of I've been I've grown up all my life thinking that I look too Asian mm. for someone now to say that I actually look more white than Asian. And I was like, right, so what do I do with that information? Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously looking different, but knowing that I have two different backgrounds, obviously impact loads on my identity because just like Maga said, like you don't fit in one category enough and you don't fit in the other category enough. So where is the middle ground yeah. where you can stay and feel like okay I'm alright with being this um, and so for me I feel or at least until I came to England I felt very much Spanish like my whole yeah. personality was Spanish and um, I talked very Spanish you embodied like the whole culture and yeah. everything yeah but in terms of Asianness, like I know a couple of words, um, and then you know it's the food, and that's why mm-hmm. I feel like I have a very strong connection with food and how I think that that's like a, like a gate to another culture because you get to know a lot from the food, mm. and um, I, I know, I don't know enough of my Asian background, and that's why I felt like you know it was. I was always trying to mm. strengthen my white side because I didn't have enough of my Asian side. Mm. Do you... Sorry to no, interrupt, right. but I want to ask a question. Yeah. <laughs> Do you wish you you learned more about your Asian background and you embodied it more? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And that maybe you'd even learn the language, like, all the way through. Yeah, because I can understand it. I just cannot yeah, speak yeah, yeah. it. Like, I know words and words. Like, even, like, I was telling this to my mom the other day. Like, when you come around, I sometimes say words in Filipino, but you mm. don't, like, you know what I mean just by the context. And yeah. I never feel like you question me about it because you already know what I'm trying to say. Yeah. But um, those are, like, things that I wish, like, I knew more of um and it wasn't until very recently that I started really questioning my identity and Mm. really realizing that I've been I grew up feeling very ashamed of my Asian side because that was the factor in my like appearance Mm. that really made other people not want to be around me Mm. basically because it was these stereotypes of obviously being Asian, like I've said before, like, you know, you you are very smart and you, you know, do loads of maths and you're incredible at maths. Mm. And um, and as we learned last episode, you're supposed to have big boobs. Yeah, literally. <laughs> None of those I have. <laughs> I am still smart, but I'm not the smartest. Well, debatable. Uh, no, oh, thank you. I'm <laughs> Savage. Um, but... Um, you know, like, those are are things that I'm supposed to embody. And I always mm. joke with my mom about this. Like, I was born and for some reason I went all into the letter side, all the literature side, because my mom forgot to pass me the math gene. And that's why I'm not a math prodigy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I could be rich by now, okay? I could be, like, solving, Girl, come on. <laughs> solving some type of, like, 
coding thing for the government or something. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. You don't only need masks for that, so don't worry. Um, but yeah, it felt like very... I was always looking for something because I always felt like something was missing. And that's why I always felt like I never belonged and I never could feel like I was okay with the people I was around or I wasn't really comfortable with myself because I was like, there's just something missing. Mm. Like, I don't know what it is, but there's something missing. And it wasn't until very recently, like I said, that I started exploring this. And this is where one of our guests, or at least two, both of them, really made that impact on how I view my identity and how I view myself and where I come from and my backgrounds and stuff. And um, I guess it's just like a learning experience. Mm -hmm. I feel like when you're growing up, you kind of reflect on a lot of things that you did when you were a kid. And even when you were a teenager and even, you know, before you're right before your 20s and stuff and you keep realizing things and you keep saying, oh, I wish I've done this differently. Mm. Like, I wish like someone had taught me about this. Like, why didn't I know about these things before? And I feel it's because as if we haven't said this before, like there's not enough representation yeah. on media. Like, I mean, there is representation. Like we're seeing a lot of things people from different backgrounds and stuff but I think that being mixed is not talked about enough because you come from two different groups and you're in this gray area of what am I basically Mm. and I'm just going to put it out there because you did mention this before about you know you cannot really say anything because you only have two dual nationalities and they're both white Mm. like that doesn't matter you still Mm. come from two different backgrounds I guess and then I mean we talk about this a lot where Maga always says like she feels more French with her family mm. and then with other people she's like more English. But It depends, have... like with some family members I'll be like, it's like I'm constantly juggling but mm-hmm. that's fine because me and all my siblings are juggling so we mm-hmm. get each other in that sense. But then with, and I think with you as well I, I'm comfortable juggling it because you're also half mm. and half. But then with people that are strictly one thing, I think... I can sometimes I can tell that they don't fully understand and it's not their fault because this is as you said something that's not talked about enough Mm -hmm. that's not got enough awareness about and I think sometimes yeah they say things that they think are going to be funny or they're humorous or they're meant to be light-hearted and it's like Mm -hmm. actually I get this all the time it's getting a bit enough now and you don't realize how much sometimes how much words can have an effect and then you go back and think about it and you're like actually you know what this is not good for me and Mm -hmm. what I'm trying to figure out right now um mm. yeah and basically what you when you're trying to figure out you always have this input from other people yeah um who are just no who only know from your background the stereotypes from your background exactly so for example with French people, they will say, oh, you're very classy and you only eat croissants and you, you like eat a baguette. snails. Yeah. <laughs> baguettes. You're rude. Which is kind of true. There are people... Yeah. There's a stereotype because there are some people like that, mm-hmm. but it's not the majority. And that's yeah. what annoys me and pisses me off. Yeah. Is like... Stereotypes generalize stereotypes people. Stereotypes generalize people. And then people put those stereotypes on you and you feel like your identity is reduced to stereotypes Mm -hmm. like you cannot be nuanced and you cannot be different from that Mm -hmm. stereotype 
And I think sometimes people do that judgment without even realizing, like, it's so subconscious mm. because it's ingrained in the stereotypes and the society that they've been brought up. Mm-hmm. But it's like, no. I don't eat snails. They are disgusting, just for your information. <laughs> Although I do like bread and garlic, so that doesn't help my case. I'm joking. Um, but, but yeah, definitely. So with stereotypes as well, like I, that's as much as I knew from my Asian mm, background. Yeah. So like I said, the whole thing of being smart and, you know, uh, being good at math and all of that. But also it comes so hard on you, these stereotypes, when you're dating mm. or when you're, you know, you're on the thing or the thought of, you know, having a relationship because then that's what's interesting about you to other people. Mm. So I don't know, like Maga, you're being French, like you're good at French kissing or I don't know. Yeah, like, I've had that before, which yeah. is really cringe because I mean, I don't know if I'm good. I'm not the one that's being judged of that because I don't kiss myself. So I don't know. Um, but I've had had the thing that like, oh, yeah. Well, I've had the thing as well. It's like, because you're French, like, you're instantly more attractive and stuff. And it's like, thanks, I'm just a commodity, you know. Yeah. That's the only thing that makes me attractive is that mm. I'm, I, you know, I have a bit of French blood or something. Yeah. Um, what about my personality, my hobbies, yeah. you know, everything else about me? Mm. It was the, it's so the, reductive. It's the same for me, mm. which is like, I... I, the, the stereotype I got the most was the sexual bit. Yeah. Oh, like Asians how, are great in bed. Yeah. But I think that's also a Spanish stereotype, yeah. like, saying how wild you yeah. are and how, like, crazy, you know, like, loca. And yeah. Shit. Yeah. And it's like, mm, Yeah. Like, you're such a party animal and, like, yeah. you're, you're so extroverted and stuff. Like, Asians are introverted and Spanish are extroverted. Where am I in that? Yeah. Because I'm both, depending and on the situation. Well, Asian people are introverted and not all Spanish people yeah. are extroverted. Do you know what I mean? It's so yeah. much more nuanced than that. Yeah, but it kind of, like, I get this a lot. And this is where one of my poems come from. But I got, for, for being mixed and for being Spanish and Asian, I get called exotic all the time. Like, so... all the time. Like, oh, you're Spanish. Like, oh, that's so exotic. Because... Girl, is it she in fucking Europe? <laughs> yeah, because it's like people think of the beach and the nice weather and the nice food and stuff. And it's, like, so exotic. Like, you know. And then Asia as well is, like, very, like, type mm, of... Tropical weather. Yeah, tropical. Yeah. And people think of tropical and they think, oh, it's uh, so exotic. So that's, like, a ni- like the people's way of calling you like in a like a nice way when it's really not nice you're no, just don't like, don't say that to people yeah it's not a compliment because you're just um without intending to or even if like you're flirting and stuff it is sexualizing someone yeah do you know what i mean like, it's like um i guess with you as well it's something that you struggle with maybe the whole asian fetishization mm. especially from white cis males yep um because i know that's like a thing that mm. happens quite often and yeah. you've told me about this yeah so it is a struggle and obviously when you're trying to find yourself it's like right so i am attractive to some people but i'm not attractive enough like i'm very outgoing with some people but mm. i'm not outgoing enough but i'm introverted so i'm not really a party animal so do you know what i mean like there's so many things that are just like 
people like learn from you like the three first things that are on the surface and they just think oh that's enough like i don't need to know anymore about your personality or whatever you do yeah because i got the three things that i need to know yeah the stereotypes yeah and so i'm just saying that you know if you come from loads of different backgrounds and you are struggling with your identity and stuff. You're not the only one, and especially when you're in your 20s. It's so difficult because I don't know about you, but identity as well is kind of like influenced by the people you're with, especially mm. your friends and stuff. Mm. And you might have heard this before, but you have like different faces for the different groups of people you're with. So you mm. have a different face for your family and you have a different face for your friends and you have a different face for work and all of that. Yeah. And all of these are identities as well. It's like the the persona you give to other people. Yeah, the image of yourself you um project to others yeah. in different settings. Yeah. And is that different to who you really are? Mm. Like, is that or who is that you are? just variations yeah. depending on context and social situation? Precisely. And environment. Yeah. So sometimes when you extract yourself from that, um, it can be very draining, mm. and also it just makes you feel like there's no reset, as if like there's no base one where you can just rest, because yeah. you're just trying to juggle so many things for so many different people that you actually when you stop you're like actually who am I in between all of these yeah and where do I belong in all of this because I think like even though belonging and identity are different things Mm. they can often very much so combine yeah they intertwine Uh, quite a lot yeah and so I think that when you're in your 20s and you're trying to figure yourself out and, you know, trying to figure your shit out, it can be very, very difficult to, you know, pinpoint different bits about yourself and, you know, trying to analyze your group of friends and your partner and your family and all of this. And it's like, what do I do, Mm. basically? Yeah. But, I mean, that's our experience with it. And uh, guess what? We have two more people joining us to continue this discussion. So first off, we have Shanice Martin, who is a poet. And uh, we met her at university. She is currently doing her PhD um, on... I'm going to sabotage this and she's going to tell me off what she's told me loads of times of what she's doing. But she's doing um, Indian poetry. And um, she uses her writing um, and, well, what she's studying as a way of, you know, expressing herself and finding herself and identifying herself. And educating, I want to say, as yeah, well. and educating others, which she does. And she's a great inspiration for that. Um, and secondly, we also have Talia. And uh, Talia is an actress um, and she's absolutely amazing. And um, I, well, I met Talia before you did. Mm-hmm. I introduced you to Talia. Mm-hmm. Um, for people who don't know, I'm a poet. And uh, not too long ago, I had uh, one of my poems uh, become a play for a festival. And this poem was talking about mixed race. And um the producer from this festival uh, put me in contact with Talia for her to, you know, play my piece. 
and Talia and I just connected so much on the piece about being mixed yeah. race and we connected on so many things and she I saw myself in her and she saw herself in me I hope um <laughs> <laughs> and then um, I just thought that they would be so great at you know talking to us and to you about their experiences with identity and belonging and how they've you know crafted their ideas and um how they educate others through their craft and so without further ado this is Shanice and Antalia. So um, we're going to kick it off and I'm going to ask you, what does it mean to you to belong and to have an identity? You're starting big. You're starting yeah. having big <laughs> I think they're very different things, but they also, like, you're very lucky if you feel like they're connected together. I think to belong is to feel a comfort, is to feel safe, is to feel a part of something beyond just you as an individual, I'd say. Um, and I think identity is more who you are in an individual level. And I think the belonging can bring that together whether it's with a different community or with people that you meet I feel like identity yeah is really about the personal is about who you are who you project to be and how that is received by other people I always feel like whether you find somebody who matches your identity or understands your identity I think that's the biggest thing is when you feel like you belong Mm -hmm. that's quite a difficult question actually that you're starting off with I think to belong means that you're comfortable. It doesn't always mean, have to mean that everyone agrees with you or that there is no sort of conflict, but it's that you feel cared, uh, cared for and that you feel that you can sort of not put on a facade and just like if you want to flop around on the ground, that's fine, you know, <laughs> like no one's going to judge you for that. I think there are so many parts to having an identity. There are obviously like the de- defining like physical features, your eye color, your hair color, things like that. But then it's also who you grew up with, what you believe in, whether it comes to, you know, religion or some uh, law, you know, whatever, all those kinds of things. But then it's also the school you go to, your education, the way you speak. All those things, I think, collectively make your identity. Definitely. And what do you think for you? Like, have you struggled to find your identity, whether it's because, you know, you're mixed race or because you don't fit into one group and your personality and stuff? Like, what do you think that is for you? Yeah, I think for me, like, when I was younger, I didn't even think I knew that I was mixed race or, like, I didn't know that. I was of colour. I literally didn't have a clue. I was pretty like whitewashed, I'd say, because I went to a very white school. Um, my, I lived in a very white village, still do. I'm trying to get out of it. But um, <laughs> yeah, like I just didn't have a clue that I was of colour until I was probably on the playground and someone said a really racist comment to me. And I went home and asked parents what it meant. And they were just like a bit shocked, I think, by what I'd said. Um, and I just kind of brushed it under the carpet a little bit because I don't think they knew how to react to that. Um, and then eventually, as I like grew older, 
I realized that I did have this mixed identity. I realized that I belonged to two worlds, two groups, and I needed to find a way to navigate the two. Cause I think I used to really resent my sort of Indian identity and Indian heritage because it felt dirty. I feel like it was the thing I got like bullied for. So I was like, this is such a negative thing. I need to erase it totally. I need to fit in and not be that person. And it's not until like, as I've got older, when I came to uni, saw a lot of people that looked like me, um, and I sort of thought there's something to be said by being mixed race and it's something to be celebrated. It's not something to be sort of hated for or hate yourself for. So I think I did have a bit of an identity crisis when I was younger, but I think like going to university and studying what like I do with poetry and um, but like being mixed race and really trying to understand that has allowed me to really understand my identity as well as being a woman and you know all of these other things that play a part and um, I think at first it was something that was really difficult for me to understand but I feel like I've slightly now know who I am and I'm still learning who I am at the same time. Yeah I think it I notice it changes depending on who you're with for example when I'm with my friends from my international school like that I went to for 12 years I feel like I never think about my sort of identity as a biracial person because it's I mean it's normal for people there to it's not that they're mixed because lots of people were Indonesian there but it's everyone you know spoke English and then everyone also spoke Indonesian and we sort of kind of transitioned in and out of that but then when I went to parts of Indonesia that maybe were more rural I would feel very white because I spoke English fluently and people would look at me and go oh like oh you're still white and like say that verbally you know and then I would go here and obviously I look way more Asian here compared to people who are actually you know fully white so it's it very much depends on who I'm with like which country I'm in but it's never really bothered me I've always found it quite interesting and I like to laugh about it yeah. yeah yeah that's an interesting approach I like that yeah we did talk about this but I forgive me I forget like what mm-hmm. like half and half you are so yeah. you're half in the I'm name. not sorry <laughs> I'm, I'm not actually biracial to mm-hmm. be honest because uh I'm I'm mixed but not exactly in that formula so I'm sort of like three quarters Indonesian and then um my grandma is Australian yeah ah, so okay. I don't know how to say it so I just go with like if you want to call me biracial like that's fine yeah because <laughs> I don't like I don't math <laughs> what is the math of that <laughs> <laughs> yeah. right sorry about that because I accidentally no, that's so told fine. Uh, no I told Maga that you were like half Canadian or something and I forgot <laughs> it was Australian you did I was like, uh, I I might I might be wrong about it, so I had to ask because I was like, I know the Indonesian, yeah. I don't know the other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's also interesting because obviously, even within Indonesia, it's different parts, and mm. the cultures are also completely different. So even though I'm not, you know, like half white or half Indonesian or something, there are so many different cultural influences that make up my identity. Mm. Yeah, that's very interesting. 
Yeah, that's very interesting because um, connecting it back to you, Sean, I know that you also have loads of different backgrounds apart from being Indian, but I've only learned that recently because of your poetry. But could you talk a little bit more about your family background? I think for me, it's really difficult. So my, I think there's so many things in my family that make it difficult. It's not like, oh, this person's from India and this person's from England. Like, it's not like that for me. So my um, my mum's parents are from Kenya and their parents are from India. So there's already like a double knowing of a culture. It's not just like a one straight, you know, arrow to one country it's just so many other countries and I think that's one thing to explain when people when you say you're Indian people assume you know oh your grandparents are from India well actually no sorry to disappoint but they're not there's like a whole complex journey to that and on my dad's side so he's actually adopted so he doesn't know his identity on his birth certificate to get at nationality unknown um so he has no idea what his nationality is all he knows is that his mum was English um and that's it so um for me that side is very clouded I have no idea and I think it was really trying to come to terms with the fact that he's chose to not find that out and I would choose to not find that out in order to respect him but also trying to understand that my grandparents came from Kenya and India and trying to get your head around that culture whilst being British and trying to understand what that means at the same time I think it was all of these things that I felt were separate they couldn't be together and I couldn't have it all in me like it's like I needed to pick one or pick one to be stronger than the other and I think that's why I inherently chose being sort of this white British sort of outlook and I sort of really neglected being Indian or being anything to do with being Asian and I think being mixed race allowed me to do that a little bit because I'm not you know as dark as some people in, in Indian culture or you know I don't have certain features um that are very beautiful features to have but I just don't have them I think that made people really confused but it also allowed me to hide that side of me even more so I think that's why it has these lines and it never felt like a, a whole being I just felt like I had these different categories and I was trying to navigate who I was in these different zones Mm-hmm. that's Definitely. really interesting yeah, yeah that's I mean obviously I can relate very much so mm-hmm. to what yeah of course. Um, especially in Spain I feel like it's just as whitewashed as it is here in the UK um just because of I guess it's just western culture as well um we have all of these like media is so focused on like white skin and and white nationalities and stuff and it's not until recently when you start seeing like all the representation from all different cultures and backgrounds and stuff um but yeah I definitely had like a kind of same experience as you and it wasn't really until I befriended you that I and I heard your poetry that I was like actually I have to think as well a little bit about my identity and why I've always felt like I had like two bits of me and stuff so I mean that's why I yeah. adore you. So, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> well, I'm glad my poetry could help because I think I like wrote that poetry to kind of help myself navigate. It was my only way to sort of navigate it and just write it out. So, I'm glad it can help other people navigate this weird world that we live in. Yeah, literally. Um, I don't know if you Maga know this, but like last year when I w- had this Commonwealth exhibition thing that I think I told you about, Shanice, that I was part of this exhibition. Yeah. That was right at the same time when Shanice and I um, got in contact again, when you started doing your PhD and stuff. And I think we started going to open mics together and then I had the exhibition again. 
And it was through going out with Shanice and stuff connected to the exhibition when I wrote Exotic. Really? Yeah. Oh, so that makes a lot of sense. Exotic, Exotic was actually inspired by Shanice and what wow. she wrote. And Whoa. I remember, <laughs> yeah, and I remember when I wrote it, which is when you came to, with me to fire, uh, to fire and dust. When I wrote that, I sent it straight to Shanice, and I was like, "This is what you inspired me to write." There you go. And uh, I don't know, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you know this, Shanice, but that poem actually became a play last month. Uh, wow in a festival. I did know I did see this play called Exotic and I yeah. was like what is this like and I thought back to that poem and I was like no surely not surely not it is it was that oh. poem it was that poem so wow. that's I so good yeah I remember when I I met with um with the girls I worked for uh for the to do the play and stuff I was like yo girls like this was all it all came from my friends you know what I mean like if I hadn't had that click like I wouldn't have had that poem so that's why you see you I'm not only I'm your number one fan but you give inspiration as well <laughs> every single time I tell you that oh I love it's that <laughs> oh I feel like you always say the nicest things that it always makes my heart feel like so full and it makes you feel so understood as a person as well yeah yeah like um Shanice Shanice has wrote like two almost three books now I think you're working on your third collection now she's been um showcase at the, the central library and everything so you you've put your work out there like people can only dream of that okay. and you won't, you've done it through your PhD so that's incredible um so yeah I'm just giving like a slight plug here to shout yeah, <laughs> it, it's worth it so. <laughs> Fine. I'd rather you do the plug than me. So that's <laughs> <okay>. <laughs> In case I didn't say already that I was your fan, like the plug, the plug might yeah. have said enough. Um, but yeah, going back to the conversation that we we're having, like, do you think, like, what do we gain from belonging? I think we gain a better understanding of who we are. Um, who we are when we feel like we connect with other people I feel like there's no who you are as an individual knowing your identity but when you belong you realize how what makes you feel like you belong what makes you feel like you know who you are how you connect to other people and I think that's something that is I mean it's so it's such a complex thing having relationships with people whether it be friendships or you know romantic relationships but I think when you find your people no matter what level it is that's when you feel this sense of belonging and that's the most important feeling because it's like no other I feel like as soon as you feel like you belong you feel like you understand who you are and you can see yourself from a bit more of a distance because when you look at yourself every day on the inside you just like you're sat inside yourself but belonging makes you see yourself on the outside and it allows yourself to feel like yeah that sense of comfort and home and it doesn't make you feel lost anymore like you can navigate who you are because you belong in this space or you belong with that person or the a group of people and I think it's something it's hard to find but when you have it it's one of the most important feelings and it's something that you can't get unless you're surrounded by other people hmm I think you gain a sense of peace because you're not trying to be someone you're not comfortable um pretending to be or playing 
but then you're also uh, not pushed beyond what you're comfortable with but at the same time you are inevitably around other people to feel like you're belonging in a, in a situation so then you are still being pushed to sort of move in a space with others yeah so I think you're, you gain peace as you're navigating through life with mm-hmm. all these you know different people yeah Mm. Yeah, I agree. I was going to just like to add on to that quickly. Um, It's like how they say there's a difference between being alone and then lonely because loneliness actually comes from not having deep connections with other people. Um, It comes from feeling understood or not feeling like you belong anywhere. So Mm -hmm. yeah, Mm -hmm. I agree. Very important to belong. Yeah, feel like you're understood by others in a way. Mm um can belonging be taken away from you or can you only ever choose to leave what a good question (laughs) I think belonging can be taken away from you if you allow it and I think we're all very you know human so we're very vulnerable at times and unfortunately it does get taken away I think it can get taken away from you not necessarily that feeling but it can be damaged by not necessarily that person who you felt belonging with, but someone says something about that belonging or that relationship or that person or that connection that you had, I think that can damage it. Like I know that when I feel like I belong, whether it be, you know, around other people who are mixed race and I talk to them about something and they're like, yeah, totally get that. Or whether it's about my friends who are willing to like understand, educate themselves, or I just feel like, you know, when you've got that click with somebody or a group and you feel like these are my people. But if someone comes along and says something like you don't belong here, or you know throws you off like that I think that can really take that like feeling away from you and it can create a distance and everything that you've built up can can sort of feel like it wasn't there to start with because I think it's something that's really hard to get but so easy to be taken away by other comments like I know like when like being British for one and like being mixed heritage I've really battled with trying to belong and being British like it sounds really strange but just being able to call myself that feels quite odd but I think like you know I've had like people say really like passive racist comments to me and you know essentially saying that I don't belong here I'll go back to where you've come from and that can make me feel like a real disconnect in the country that I'm born in or you know the place where I was born you know it can really make you feel that disconnect and makes you struggle to reconnect with that again I think as much as other people and other situations can control your sense of belonging you can make us feel like you belong if you choose to realign your mind to these comments and realign your mind to how people say things and how you take them I mean it's it's hard and I'm not saying like don't cry and just be resilient because I feel like that's often what it's said I think to be said of like not allowing other people to damage what you've worked so hard to create really I don't think it's something that can be taken away from you but you can transition out of belonging I I don't really think it's yeah, I think to put so much weight on like the feeling of belonging or something to where you can sort of blame someone for making you feel like you don't belong or that, you know, you did something or like to guilt trip yourself. I, I just, I don't really believe in that, but I think people change and where you are in your life changes quite frequently, maybe. 
and the people you want to surround yourself with also changes as you go through different stages of life. So I'd like to think of I like to think of it more as transitioning out of feelings of belonging. Mm-hmm. I like that. I like that thought yeah. of transitioning and mm-hmm. stuff. Because um, not a lot of people think like that. They're like, oh, it's, you know, there's always a, some type of different mixed feeling with that. But I think like the yeah. idea of transitioning from, especially because you're growing up, like I think that's mm-hmm. the perfect term for it. Yeah, because I mean, if you sort of like say that it's, I mean, make it this really big and sort of permanent thing, then you're just putting your, a nail in your coffin. Like as soon as you get kicked out of the group or something, it's the end of the world, but it's not really. I mean, it sucks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, I cry over it or whatever when I lose a friend, but it's a part of life. And I think it's something you learn to be okay with as you grow up. Like I used to be that child. I remember having conversations with my parents when I you know, stopped being friends with my best friend in second grade or something and it was it was the end of my world I was crying I blamed myself I blamed them I just couldn't deal with it and my parents would sort of look at me and go oh my gosh so dramatic and I that would make me cry more obviously at the time (laughs) (laughs) but now I realize why they were sort of laughing at me or just kind of "Ah, whatever this is just a phase because I mean they've gone through it and they've come out the other side you know Mm. Yeah, I guess it's hard, though, because um, one thing is when people have gone through it and they they know the experience of it Yeah, compared sure. to when you're actually going through the experience for the first mm-hmm. time. And sometimes, oh, yeah. like, when, like, someone tells you, like, oh, it's okay, like, but it's like, but I'm feeling it doesn't it feel right okay now. to you. Yeah. yeah, like, I'm feeling exactly. it right now. Why can't you, like, just yeah. accept that I'm feeling it right now? Like, I don't care. Mm-hmm. Like, I get that you've passed through it. But accept that yeah. I'm going through it now. Exactly. And I've sometimes what that. you need is just someone who will listen. Sometimes I tell my mom, I am going to rant and I don't need you to do anything. Just sit there. And then she so now she's learned to to give me a warning and say, Do you want my advice? Because um back then, back in the day, no, just kidding, I'm still 19. <laughs> <laughs> she, she would just give me unsolicited advice and then I would get upset because I mean I didn't ask for it. And mm-hmm. so now she knows. Good for her. Yeah. That's very common with parents. So I feel like they just feel like their role is to always give advice and guide you yeah, through every sure. experience you have. But sometimes I think you just want to feed it no, and yeah. experience it like raw. So mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. As well yeah. as, like, even with friends or, like, partners and stuff, it's, like, you have a different background than I do and different circumstances than I do. Like, what mm-hmm. like what happens to me now, it might not be the same to you because of mm-hmm. who you are and your identity and your background and stuff. But yeah. I'm dealing with it because of my circumstances. Like, you can judge it and say, like, oh, it's not that big of a deal and stuff, but it wouldn't mm-hmm. be a big of a deal to you because of who you are. But it's a big yeah. deal because of what's happening to me mm-hmm. so. I, I even think sorry go ahead no no, no I was I was so, finished. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I even think saying something like uh not oh I know exactly what you're going through or feeling whatever mm-hmm. but saying something like I get what you mean even that slight change it can be helpful because for example with my sister when she talks about you know some person who did whatever to her I know what she's talking about and I can sort of identify with something similar, but I don't know exactly what's happening. So I try to tell her, 
oh, I get what you mean. And I'm so annoyed for you or something like that. Instead of pretending like I know exactly the situation she's in, but it's very hard. And I, I try to change my vocabulary, even just that little bit, but it's obviously a process. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's something I started trying to do after my grandma told me, don't say that something is impossible or that you can't do it. Just say it's a challenge. Because just by saying that, then you're already putting like changing your mindset and making it something that you can go through. Just it's hard. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. 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 That's a great way to put it. Oh my God. Talia's beyond her years here giving her, giving oh us a lot of advice. It was the affirmations, guys. <laughs> yeah. Always work. Yeah, guys, get, get yourself people who will give you affirmations. I give you all the affirmations, girly. (laughs) I didn't even pay you. I know. (laughs) Um, Are there benefits from being an outsider? And if so, do this way outweigh the costs? I think there are benefits. I think it gives you a very like unique perspective on things. Um, I think a lot of the time because you're technically multiple cultures or multiple people at the same time and you feel like you embody so many people but I think that can be said for a lot of people you know everyone who you meet in your life has a certain impact on you and I shouldn't know who we've met so I think all of that definitely adds up and gives you that unique perspective and give you different outlook on things it can give you attitude and I think above all it can really make you empathize and sympathize with people who really struggle with identity and belonging when you felt like you don't belong or you don't know what your identity is you can really yeah empathize with people who also feel the same way and I think it makes you feel more aware of how those people feel because I think it's easy to walk around and think about yourself realistically and think oh how do I feel about this but what about the other people that are still struggling just because like I feel like I've got a grasp on my identity it doesn't mean that people like you know aren't still struggling and but I think it allows me to strike up those conversations because I can really relate to that and really relate to that feeling do I think it outweighs the cost I'm sure um I think it, it I'd love to sit here and be like you know but I think you can go through some really difficult times and would I have rather not have had those difficult times maybe but they equally make me who I am so I think it's a really difficult question to answer but I think in some ways it does outweigh the cost but in some ways the costs are really hard to get through and get over really Mm, definitely um yeah I think there are benefits to being an outsider because if you're always comfortable you don't have room to grow and you're not challenged um and you maybe if you always belong although I said before that even in belonging you'll obviously have disagreements and things like that um to face the challenges of being an outsider gives you a different perspective and it's a different kind kind of challenge like you'll have to navigate working together with people a lot and feeling like an outsider and it's like how do I communicate with you I don't really feel comfortable I don't really know you I don't want to work with you I don't want to see your face but we still need to make something together that's all something I often feel when I do group work in you know theater or whatever it is I'm doing um 
and I think it teaches you a lot because it's you have to learn to get on with it even when you don't want to and even though you should set boundaries you still have to get things done sometimes and being an outsider gives you the skills to do that regardless of um it makes you more adaptable I guess yeah Mm -hmm. and does oh do the challenges outweigh or what was it do the benefits Uh, yeah like if so does it outweigh the costs of you know um I I don't know if I the thing is I don't think being an outsider is that big of a deal I think it's completely normal and everyone will belong at some points in some places and also be an outsider so I would not think of it personally as something that you know it's like oh does this outweigh that or is it it doesn't feel like a traumatic experience I mean obviously there are times where it's like it can be a very serious thing being the outsider but in a general sense I don't I think it's a necessary thing in life and I think everyone has experienced it or if you're a tiny baby who has no enemies then you will experience it yeah um do you always belong with the same self or do you create a different self in different spaces oh good question um all that's coming into my head is you know that film split where he has so many different personalities <laughs> that's all that's coming into my head not that i'm like that by the way but it's just <laughs> in my head. um i I think I'm I think I used to I think I really used to um try and adapt and mold myself to different people different situations just because I felt a bit like insecure probably in in who I was and I only felt like the people that I belonged to would understand who I am and the people that didn't I needed to be somebody else probably somebody more westernized or more sort of white and and I didn't really want to talk about being Asian in any sense of the form I didn't want to talk about having family that weren't from here because I knew that would lead to certain conversations that maybe I didn't want to have or I didn't want to yeah go down those avenues to but I think I've learned to just be me and I've learned that you know if someone doesn't want to take me for me then that's fine like I'm not everyone's person and I, I totally get that you know not everyone's my person it's fine like but I think I've just learned to just be me and to really embody who I am like I think as a poet like you'll know like Cassandra like you know you try and you try and like be a poet and somebody in that poem's and then try and be somebody outside of it whereas I think now like and I used to say oh yeah my poem roughly based on me I would never say this is me and this poem but like over time like I will happily say yeah this is about me and this is about what I've gone through because that is me and why should I shy away from it why should I ever feel embarrassed by who I am in any sense of the form so I think through poetry although it allowed me to disguise who I was in certain areas it's also allowed me to embrace who I am and just be sort of raw and bare for everyone to see and like take it or leave it really like I'm just me and I'll continue to be that because I think being true to yourself allows life to be so much easier than trying to juggle who you think you should be for other people Mm, yeah definitely Mm. this is really giving me one one of my modules like (laughs) 
<laughs> performance analysis. I bet I I, I promise we talked about this. Yeah. Anyway, um, it's giving me twice behave behavior. Uh, I yes. Basically, the answer is yes. We have we perform a version of ourselves. Um, we I mean we perform different versions of ourselves depending on who we're with and our situation just because as humans we have lots of things we have to do and um, things on our mind generally speaking and we perform certain selves because that's what's convenient like you won't go into a job interview you know with like some muddy clothes that you just rolled around in the you know like in the fields in because that's you know that's not professional and that is 90% of the time, 99% of the time, not what a job interviewer is looking for. And everyone knows that, you know, and we conform to those ideals or whatever, because that's what we know to be the right thing. And yeah, we do that with every situation, whether it's going downstairs to make a coffee in you know student accommodation or eating breakfast at a fancy hotel you're going to possibly wear something different or walk in a different way because that's what you think you should be doing and some people have a problem with that like oh we should just you know feel comfortable doing whatever we want we should break down norms and whatever and yeah okay like good for you but I also think sometimes we overthink it and it's like it's just it's a part of life like you'll always do it you'll never be able to not perform something because everything has been performed by yourself before or by someone else before and that's why it's a norm like why do people wear white at a wedding because that's just what's been happening for many many years yeah sorry mm-hmm. I think I just got carried away by like theater stuff <laughs> oh, that's no, fine. I love the okay. theater perspective it's great <laughs> Amazing. yeah that's what I think Okay, there's just one more question. Um, Is it difficult to possess a sense of belonging when we are unsure of our own identity? Yeah, I think it is because I think you struggle to know where you belong. And that's why I think they do go together. They are separate like things at the same time and separate feelings. I think if you don't know who you are as a person and your identity it's really hard to know who you belong to then because you don't know what it is you're looking for. Um, And I'm not necessarily saying that, you know, for me, like being mixed race, I didn't go out looking for other mixed race people to feel like I belong. I just was starting to be able to talk about who I was and what my identity was. And that allowed me to feel like I belong with certain people who were willing to understand that or willing to have conversations about it. Like, I don't have loads of friends that are mixed race um, and I don't have loads of friends that are from different, you know, backgrounds. But I, I try and I try and allow myself to talk to as many people as possible and connect with as many people, like no matter what their identity is, just so I can have those conversations. And, and I think, yeah, I just think unless you are able to know who you are, how you meant to explain to somebody else who you are and create that sense of belonging and that feeling, um so I do think that I do think that the two are are really connected and that you do need to know who you are and what your identity is in order to find or find a group that you could that you can um yeah relate to Mm. I think 
my answer to the previous question helps make it easier because you don't need to figure out who you are to be able to be a functioning human in society. That doesn't mean you're functioning at your highest sort of level and with purpose, but you don't need to have figured out who you are in order to live a normal life, I think. And it's a process. Remember how I was talking about transitioning? I kind of feel that like finding your identity or being the person you want to be like that's a very overrated concept because who you need to be in that moment will will change all the time like your circumstances will change I mean I assume that the person you are going to be or need to be as a mother of like three children under five or something is going to be different than someone who's single at the same age because you obviously need to survive in a different way. And I think that's okay. Yeah, I think surviving will lead to thriving, but you have to survive first in order to, in order to thrive. Yeah, mm. that's what I think. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Okay, I have a quick question for you, Shan. Because um, obviously um, you're the older one from us in this group uh, not to <laughs> shame or anything because oh uh, Talia is still, uh, still in her late teens uh, <laughs> going into becoming a woman um, what do you think is the um, like obviously now that we're in our 20s and stuff how do you think your perspective mm -hmm. on identity and belonging change when you grow up compared to when what you were thinking when you were a teenager for example I think you stop pigeonholing people. I know that sounds really weird, but like I stopped saying like, oh, this person can only belong here because they can relate to that person. I used to very much think that I could overlong in with people who were exactly like me, whether that in some way, shape or form, whether that be, you know, through race or being a woman or being British, whatever it was. And then I sort of thought, actually, this isn't this isn't the case. Like I don't need to be friends with people who are like me. Neither do I need to find people who are exactly like my mix or, you know, whatever it is, my my gender, it doesn't matter. Like I felt like, you know, I now in my twenties have realized that it's just about finding people who you feel that connection with or a comfort with and that's what is the most important thing it's the hardest thing to find but yeah it's the most beautiful thing to have but yeah I think that's what I say in my 20s and I think with identity as well I think you just become less apologetic your identity is who you are like you, you don't go around picking parts and be like yeah this is me you are who you are at the end of the day and I think it's just about owning that and I think in your teen years you're, it's like you've got to be like your peers you know you've, you've got to be liked I think that's the thing in our teens and that's the problem you've got to be liked and we're all seeking validation whereas I think in our 20s we become a bit like you know what I'm in my 20s now like I'm allowed to be who to be and you come you come into yourself a lot more. I think that's what I found anyway. And I think once you're away from certain environments, like for example, like school, um, you you're able to come into your own and that allows you to really identify whoever you, as whoever you want to be. And someone is bound to accept you for that. Mm, definitely. Absolutely, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then in terms of your poetry, I'm going to give you another plug here. Uh, in terms of your poetry, what do you think was what do you think was the first poem that you wrote that you were actually like? This is kind of like 
I, I'm getting who I am now after writing this, or it was inspired from that thought, basically. I think, I think for me, like, this sounds strange, because it's only a poem that I wrote about two or three years ago, if that, um, it's like my honest poem, like, I read it at the start of every reading that I do in a new place, and I know it, <laughs> and I, <laughs> and I I think for me, like, I, I, I called it my honest poem because it is me being honest, but it felt like it was me being honest about who I am for the first time. I think before I used to write about situations I've been through or other people, or I never really used to write about me, the I. And I think in that poem, that's for the first time I kind of laid all my flaws out and just sort of read it and thought, you know me, this is who I am. This is me being honest. Um, so yeah, it took me what probably like six years of writing poetry to write a poem that I felt like, yeah, this is me. Um, but yeah, I got there in the end. And I think then my whole style of poetry just changed to become quite unapologetic, always having a really intentional meaning or purpose behind it. Whereas before, I think I just used to write, and it was like my diary of like you know people or situations, and then I'd disguise it as oh, oh, this is somebody who I know, you know. <laughs> 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 yeah definitely bringing it back to you Talia um, because obviously we love to talk about art here and apart from Shan's poetry in your case because obviously we know that you're doing drama you're a bit of an actress mm-hmm. um, how does your like craft how is your craft influenced by your identity like in different roles and stuff how you mm. you identify with those characters because there's something in you that identifies with them and it's kind of like bits of your identity or because you feel like there's a bit of in, in those characters where you're like oh I kind of belong in this setting or stuff like that mm. this is actually a good question to ask right now because I was just I'm auditioning for something tomorrow and when you audition sometimes you just get given a list of all the characters and then you have to choose which one you're reading for and I was actually thinking about this just recently why am I drawn to some characters and not others and the answer is it's not always for me personally it's not like oh I like I'm Asian so let me play the Asian girl or something like that especially in unless it's like specifically oh this person has to speak with an Irish accent and blah blah blah. like I might not go for that character you know but then I am I choose characters based on things I'm interested in or I've seen so for example like the character I want to read for tomorrow like her husband is a poet and things like that. And I really think um, writing is very romantic. And, you know, I like artsy guys or whatever. But I, I, I mean, I don't even have a boyfriend right now. So it's not informed by me personally at this current point in time. Mm-hmm. But it's informed by a fantasy I might have, you know. So it's kind of like, yes, it is informed by my identity, but not really. <laughs> maybe some delusional aspects of my identity. And when I do play a character, I, I I don't really, I'm not, I don't go into a character by go thinking about how it connects to me personally. I don't think I've ever been that kind of person. I'm very much 
I'm very physical with it and I get into it by doing a certain routine so like for example with every show I have a different pre-show ritual and that suits what I like the feeling I need to get in my body for to play that character yeah so I wouldn't say it's a very personal thing for me to play characters that's why I can be very intense in a scene and just like walk it off because Mm. it's not from my personal experience Mm. yeah Mm. and I guess I I don't know if that made any sense but yeah yeah. no you did you did make plenty of sense yeah (laughs) Um, which I think I was going to ask another question but you kind of like answered the question Mm. I was going to answer with the the question (laughs) I just asked you um but I guess like if I had to ask another question I would say like what would you say to because obviously we're doing this podcast to inform other people mm-hmm. around our group age or, you know, like people yeah. who are going to come into their 20s, like yourself, um, who don't always have everything figured out. So especially, mm-hmm. I think, like the terms of coming to, you know, being yourself and like being your truer self and finding your identity mm-hmm. and stuff like that, and who you want to be is like such a thing mm-hmm. when you're growing up, especially I think right. as women, we have so much like pressure on it because there's already so mm-hmm. many pressures of sure. oh you're a woman because you have to reproduce and you're a woman and you know you wear these yeah. things and like people look at you in a certain way and already think they know mm-hmm. what you actually have to be and who you have to be and what you have to do and stuff like that so yeah and that's not only women obviously it's obviously men and right, right. people who are trying to find themselves and obviously with we don't we not we're not going into the sexuality bit but that's a bit of mm-hmm. uh, identity so what would your advice be for someone who's trying to figure their shit out basically I would say don't try don't idealize like that you will don't convince yourself that you'll get to a point where you'll have your shit figured out because it's like you're never gonna reach it you're never gonna get to a point where you go oh I figured out how to live my, you know, best life 100% all the time. And if that's what you're working toward, you're just going to be disappointed all the time because it's not realistic. And I think we need to stop promoting on social media like, oh, do this so you can, you know, be happy. And then maybe in your 30s, you'll find out who you are or something like that. Like that's, you might learn more about yourself because obviously the more you spend time with someone, including yourself, you learn things about how you function or maybe, oh, I should do this because that helps me and that doesn't help me. But just be patient with yourself. It's not, I don't have life-changing advice, but I try, I struggle a lot with this, but I just have to let myself be okay with struggling sometimes. Like if you're in a phase where you just are depressed, then don't fight it because, I mean, you want to get better, obviously. But you don't hate your, for yourself to and go, oh my goodness, I can't believe I let myself spiral. Because that's not productive either. Yes, that's absolutely perfect. Um, how about you, Shan? What are your words of advice? I think my advice is like, stay true to who you are. Like, it doesn't matter what anybody says or what anyone tries to criticize about you or what anyone tries to if anyone tries to tell you who you are I feel like everyone's always trying to be like no but you're this you're that actually I'm exactly who I'm supposed to be and I am me and you know take it or leave it you know I don't need you don't need other people telling you who you are you need to know who you are and tell them who you 
far if not the other way around and I think yeah that have that conversation with yourself like this is who I am tell people that and don't allow people to this is who you are and put you in a box that you don't belong in Mm, that's great advice beautiful I like that that was beautiful (laughs) so hope you enjoyed that conversation with our lovely lovely ladies uh because we certainly did and we certainly were so excited to bring them into the podcast to you know um make this conversation happen yeah. and educate you guys and encourage give it a little bit more substance yes. and give you a bit of refreshing sort of experiences not just us all the time yeah. <laughs> um get some different perspectives i guess indeed and um i i hope that from this conversation you actually you know even if you're not from different backgrounds and stuff you get to um you know think to yourself well i'm not alone if i don't know who the hell i am yeah because this um, can be applied to just an identity crisis in general yeah uh figuring out who you are and stuff is is very complicated and i guess you do have the added weight when you are either biracial or have dual nationality but it's still valid to not know who you are and where you belong when you're just from one one place yeah. and it is a really big thing that I think for centuries humankind has struggled with is mm-hmm. identity and who we are and it I think it's it's it sprouts a lot from like what philosophy comes from and our ideas and our yeah. religions and stuff like who we are where we come from where we belong and stuff like that so you're not alone if you're battling with all of these ideas because everyone is all of the time but and you'll figure it out you'll figure it out yeah and um this is a learning journey um you don't have to you know set yourself in stone because everything changes and you are able to change every single every second every minute every hour of every day um and you know we all learn we all change and it's you know nothing is set in stone you can always change who you are uh to whoever you want to be and be whoever you want to be and so um for this next week's blog post you'll be delighted with some difference to our post because Mm -hmm. we're going to share with you a small collection of poetry and other arts um, talking about identity, mixed race, belonging, and all of the things that we've discussed in today's episode. Um, and yeah. I hope you enjoy, basically. Yeah, we're just gonna have that blog post basically next Monday, just dedicating it to celebrating mm-hmm. uh, identity and dual nationality and biraciality and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So, hope you enjoy. Mm-hmm. And uh, you, meanwhile, you can follow us on our socials, mm-hmm. A Cup of Growth Podcast on Instagram and A Cup of Growth on Twitter and TikTok. Uh, if you would like to see the blog posts, visit mm-hmm. our website at acupofgrowth.co.uk. And while you're there, sign up to our newsletter so you get early access and exclusives to what the next episode is going to be, what the next blog post is going to be, and any other you know things that are coming on the podcast yeah uh, leave us uh, any comments um, continue the conversation with us on socials um, if you want to contact us 
DM us uh, on socials or if you're very, very fancy, send us an email at inquiries at a cup of Send us any feedback of reviews. It helps us obviously grow the podcast and improve the content that we put out there for you. Um, but I think that's all from us for today. Yeah. So, so spread the love, stay humble, and we'll see you on the next episode. Bye. Bye.